Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast, our women's empowerment mini series. I am so excited about today's episode with guest Christine Cohen. Find her on Instagram at christine.cohen, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot C-O-E-N. She is a mental health coach and a registered dietitian. We talk about in this episode how there is so much shame and I'm alone and I'm different and all of these negative isolating feelings that spiral upon feeling shame and Christine talks about the ways that she overcame her binge eating and her overeating and the ways that she began to kind of connect with herself and connect with her why and why she wanted to get out of this depression um, and the way that movement acted as a catalyst for that. And beyond that, how when she started to kind of open up with herself and be honest with herself and then thus as a result be honest with others about the 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 differentness and the shame and the sadness that was surrounding her in this, you know, depressive state, how sharing that with others is what really made her connect with other people in her life and her clients and really herself and and really start to journey through this. Uh, We talk about how movement helped her to overcome this, but how it isn't going to just be a one and done situation you know it it doesn't resolve itself just by working out once and how you have to really have that perspective change and connect with your why what is your greater why beyond just the superficial aesthetics of working out for its you know positive physical benefits but why do you want to connect more in your life why do you want to be more present in your life Um, Christine mentions that movement is a mood shifter. It changes your energy and it forces you to get out of your head into your body and again, more present in life. We talk about how on her Instagram page, again, at christine.cohen, she has created a space for other women and other people, other warriors, as she calls it, to talk about how they have used eating as a coping mechanism and kind of to normalize the conversation around it and you know it's a a coping mechanism that we create and with any coping mechanism it, it comes from our lizard brain and it's you know it's it's there to protect us but at some point the things that we use to protect us end up hurting us more when it becomes something that's out of our control and it becomes intrusive in our life um and how she ta- she tells the story of how she was staying home to just eat and she was losing moments of her life and it's just really incredibly relatable i think as a woman we have you know so much fear around food Um, and so it was just a really incredible, like I said, relatable conversation. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, if you do be sure to share this episode with anyone else that you think might be interested, we are just trying to get curious about ourself, get aware about ourself so that if we choose to want to change, that we have the space to create that change. It's not about the food. It's not about what the action is. It's about what's underneath 
the behavior. Um, so share this with a friend. If it resonates with you, be sure to tag Christine at Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot C-O-E-N and me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow, hashtag the Edge of Fear podcast. And thank you again so much for being here. I am eternally grateful for you always. I will see you on the other side. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I've got a friend here that I connected with through Instagram, through a friend of a friend. I'm so excited. Uh, She's got a lot of really interesting, fun, exciting things to talk about today as far as like mental health and fitness goes, all things that you guys know. I'm super excited uh, to talk about always. Um, So, Christine, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, Liz. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Just to introduce myself to your peeps, uh, my name is Christine Cohen. I'm a New York City-based registered dietitian and fitness professional. I've been in the fitness and wellness industry now for about 10 years. I work one-on-one with people um, in the gym, now doing a lot of virtual one-on-one personal training. And I also work with groups. I do a lot of nutrition coaching. And the biggest thing that I've shifted into in the last few years has really been the mental health aspect, which is where my passions lie, where my personal story lies, and I think is the foundation for everything that I do, whether it's movement, mindset, nourishment, all that. Fantastic. Um, So as you know, uh, right now uh, on the Edge of Your Podcast, we are in the middle of or in the midst of uh, a women's empowerment movement. Um, And the way that that kind of came about for me was I realized how pivotal it was for me to hear other women's stories, um, whether they were like very obviously empowering or really just like something that they had to kind of get over to start their journey and how when we realize like the power that lies within that really becomes such an important part of our story um and when i was really starting to kind of go into my own um journey of the self it it occurred so much to me through hearing other women's stories. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your story um, and kind of how you got to where you are now. Absolutely. And I love this, this recognition of hearing other women's stories of how they've gone through their own struggles, because that's a big part of my story. I think that hearing other women's vulnerabilities and stepping up courageously to share their their struggle with mental health, depression, and anxiety really paved the way for me to step into my vulnerability and face that and work through that and then start speaking on it because I realized there's such a power when one shines their light and then it lights up other or it creates the space for others to to light up their own self. So um but my yeah my story starts I guess about 10 years ago, ironically, around the same time that I 
became a registered dietitian and started working in the health and fitness industry, which I was initially drawn to because I just thought it was so cool how food could be your poison or it could be your medicine, how it could really keep you physically looking and uh, functioning a certain way in terms of um, just like gut health and all of that, and obviously the aesthetic part. And I just fell in love with so many aspects of it. And I wanted to become a dietitian and help people get healthy. And that was my thing. And I was, you know, a 22 year old, like, souped up, rare and ready to go, where it was so easy for me to just jump out the door and go for a run when I when I felt like it or go to a workout when I felt like it. And it was not even a second thought of it being this thing that was hard to get to. Uh, in college, I was a big fan of yoga and hot yoga, and I would go a few times a week. And I remember often the teacher would say right at the beginning of class, give yourself the gratitude for just arriving today uh, on your mat. And I, I never got it. I just never understood what she meant. I'm like, what is she talking about? Give my, thank myself for getting to my mat. I got in my car, I got here. (laughs) And just, you know, the night, my naive young self. And I had not grasped the full weight of how powerful movement and exercise was until I kind of, that crumbled for me until I was struggling with my own sense of self, with my own mental health depression and anxiety hit around the same time that I was becoming a dietitian and had just embarked on my career as a personal trainer. And on top of that, I created a coping mechanism unknowingly at the time by using food. So I was binge eating weekly, every other day. And, you know, at some point it was a daily thing, a nighttime binge eating habit, which all three combined just completely imploded me from within. And I felt like I was a shell of myself. Anyone who's ever struggled with depression and anxiety, I think can relate to the feeling of some days you are feeling that catatonic, literally don't want to get, literally can't pull yourself out of bed, feels like the most impossible thing, let alone exercise like, absolute what i can't expend more energy i'm exhausted as it is i can't even get out of bed so all of my self care tools which i didn't even realize were self care tools at the time completely fell by the wayside i stopped caring what i was eating i stopped exercising it was the last thing that i could mentally bring myself to do and so at the same time i'm going into work trying to coach people to be the healthiest version of themselves. Haha. <laughs> and I am literally feeling like the biggest fraud in the whole world because I can't even keep my own you know SHIT together. We can here. <laughs> okay. okay, good. I wasn't sure. I didn't ask you that. <laughs> and I couldn't even keep my own shit together and that coupled with the crumbling just not taking care of myself on the physical end, on the mental end, and then add into the um, the shame and the guilt that just come with depression, that just come with binge eating, um, aside from the fact that I you know, was a fitness professional, is 
extremely challenging in and of itself. Yeah, um, I was going to say with the, you know, when you're showing up to this field of I am the embodiment of health and wellness, you know, and you have this like this dark side that you're like not showing that you're like keeping inside and trying to deal with on your own. There's this imposter syndrome, like as soon as they find yes. out, you know, well, all the shit that I'm dealing with, all the shit that is wrong, like I'm not enough and I'm an imposter and I'm going to get fired and I'm never going to get this. And it's just, yeah, that whirlwind of shame comes through. Yes. And the wording and all of that emotional um, and thoughts and turmoil, it's the same, no matter what kind of shame you're experiencing. And it's that exactly that hidden darkness where you feel like, I am wrong. I am bad. I am different. And nobody else, I can't reveal this to anybody else. And I have to deal with this on my own um, is a very isolating feeling and just kind of builds and builds and builds when you are going in this shame spiral. Yeah, there was, there was so much good that you've already shared about this. Um, I loved the, uh, what you said first about um like shining your light uh and like kind of cutting through that bullshit of i'm perfect and everything is perfect and i've got it all together um one of my favorite affirmations that i've been using and it's funny that you um reference you know you didn't even know your self-care tools um i just talked about this recently on an episode that hasn't aired yet um but basically that how you know i've been using affirmations since long before i knew what affirmations were because you just get to a point where you're like so sick of the way that you're talking to yourself like mm -hmm. you know once you've kind of acknowledged like why am i such an asshole to myself um but one of my favorite affirmations for the last like two years has been i shine my light to remind others that they can too and it's like one of those affirmations where like the first time you say it or the first time you hear it, you're like, okay, bullshit. But after you've been saying it like all day long to yourself or for a week straight, you know, every day, I shine my light to remind others that they can too. It is like so powerful when you stand in that, you know, that, that self, that real truth, that real honesty, and you're really honest with yourself. It is it is so freeing for the people around you. And I'm sure every single person that, you know, you were coaching, you know, and helping with their health had a million things that they were going through. And people don't really expect anyone to be perfect, but we all think that we all have this, this lie, you know, this societal lie that somebody out there is perfect and none of us are good enough until we get there. You just nailed it in the time where I was really struggling and I was afraid to share, reveal this darkness inside of me, look, you know, in hindsight, I have this clarity, but it was the thing that now connects me with the people I work with on such a deeper, more genuine um, foundational level that when I reveal, this is what I've struggled with. This is how bad it got. And this is what, you know, I have the experience to see exactly where you have, where you are standing instead of, you know, keeping that to myself and not sharing it allows the person I'm working with 
to kind of let their own guard down, to feel comfortable revealing their own shame, which we carry so much with our bodies and what we go through mentally and our relationship with food, and especially as women, a lot of that is tied up in our conditioning and all of that. And when somebody who, you know, you're sitting across the table, or in this case, I'm sitting across a, a Zoom screen from somebody, and they are potentially looking at me and seeing like, oh, well, she's this picture of perfection, you know, so so-called perfect, whatever, and they put you on a pedestal and it's this separation. But once you bring those walls down, that person can really, you can just relate to that person and they feel more comfortable with you. And I feel like since I have owned that and opened up about that publicly and even personally to myself kind of accepted that, it's allowed me to work so much deeper with people in a way that really helps them work through this shit and figure out how to crawl out of this deep, dark hole of their own. Um, and it's because I have been there. Yeah. And, and, and that's what the women's empowerment movement is like, we've all been there, whatever career field you're in, whatever your background looks like, whatever, you know, your socioeconomic status is, we all struggle with these, you know, societal expectations and the expectations we put on ourselves, and, you know, whatever trauma that we're carrying from childhood or from family or from past relationships or whatever. And I mean, that's what more than just the, the women's empowerment movement is, but that's what this whole podcast is, is that like, we all have these struggles and until you kind of like free yourself of them, you are trapped by them. They just imprison you. Um, so I, I love this. Um, I, I love that we just jumped right in <laughs> and started talking about the hard stuff. Um, I'd love to hear about how you kind of started to pull yourself out of that. So you were last saying, um, that, you know, your self-care tools fell aside, your health was kind of crumbling, um, and you were struggling with like a, a very regular binge eating, um, which I have been there as well. And I have struggled with, um, you know, anxiety and depression from, I would say most of my twenties um, and a little bit in my teenage years. Uh, and it's so crazy how common eating disorders are for both men and women. Um, but I think men are maybe a little bit behind on talking about it. So we'll let them catch up at their leisure. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear kind of like how you, you figured that out about yourself and, and how you took those next steps. So a big part of it was just coming to accept it for myself. A lot, I, a lot of it I experienced as even hiding my depression from myself and my binge eating from myself. Like I wouldn't recognize it. I wouldn't acknowledge it. Um, so that kept me there. But once I started to one, realize, okay, this is not me. I remember the me before who was this colorful, like vibrant, girl who laughed all the time, who was connected to her friends. And I realized how little of her was left. I realized I'm losing myself. Whatever this is that I'm going through, which I didn't necessarily have words for at the time, I'm losing myself to it and I need to do something about it. So 
I started Googling things. I remember going on to the Overeaters Anonymous site at one point and feeling even scared to reach out to them because I felt in a way I didn't look, quote unquote, like an overeater. I maybe wasn't as overweight or as large as somebody might expect. And I felt like I would just be laughed out or shamed out of that room. And so I immediately X'd out the window and closed my laptop and kind of forgot about it and kind of like made myself just ignore it for a time being. I feel like the catalyst for me was, and I talked about movement before and how it was just this very superficial aesthetic thing for me, but for whatever reason, and I don't have the memory for what actually drew me to go to this one class, but if you've struggled with depression, you know that it kind of comes in waves where some days you are really down and can't really pull yourself even out of bed. And other days you're kind of just like functioning, even if you are sort of just going through the motions. There was something in that day that just told me to go to a hot yoga class near my house. And so got in my car, not expecting anything, but just to do hot yoga, took the class and left, got in my car, sat in the driver's seat. And I just remember starting to cry. Um, I was overcome with emotion and the emotion was this feeling of hope, this feeling of lightness that I had not experienced in my body for months, if not close to a year at that time. And it was just like remembering what lightness felt like. It was remembering what a piece of my old self felt like. And I was so overcome and so moved by the fact that this yoga class, like, or just this movement class brought this out of me, that it was able to kind of release some of the layers of darkness that I had been carrying around and that this was still within me, just gave me this immense sense of hope that I could do something about this, that there was a tool for me that I, that there was hope for me to climb out of this deep, dark hole. And I sort of made it a commitment to myself that, okay, movement is freaking powerful. There is something here that I've not felt before. I've not acknowledged before. And movement is going to be my tool for overcoming this depression, overcoming this anxiety. And that was kind of my turning point. I remember feeling that feeling of hope, that little bit of lightness for a few hours after that class. And of course, the next morning I woke up and I felt just as low as I had the day before and realizing that like, okay, this is, this is not going to last. I'm going to have to work at this. And how can I prioritize make movement my purpose to getting healthier, mentally addressing my health. Yeah, there's so much power in, in what you just said. I mean, that kind of like realization that 
like maybe I just found the cure. Maybe I just found something. Like maybe this is the key to my success and to my my betterment and to my feeling something again, you know, out of this numbness. But then realizing like you have to really take responsibility for that because, you know, meditating once doesn't fix the problem. Like not that we need fixed, but you know, meditating once, just like working out once, just like eating one salad, like eating a vegetable isn't going to undo, you know, the damage that we attach to all of these things. We forget that it's just like, it, it doesn't come that easy. You can't just go to the gym one time and your problems are eliminated. That little boost of serotonin and oxytocin and all those happy chemicals that happen when we do things that are fulfilling for our soul that are good for us, it's not enough to just do it one time. You really do have to make that a priority. And I loved how you said, um, you know, that lightness in your body was like a remembering. Something that I always say is like when we really get down to ourself, when we really like peel away those onion layers, when we really, you know, scrub off the dirt and the grime and the layers of conditioning and expectations and, you know, things like that it's always like the lesson comes as a remembering. It's like we're remembering our truth through remembering who we really are and that everything else is like not what we are. Oh, that just gave me chills. You just put that so, so beautifully. One thing you said reminded me also how after I experienced, remembered that how movement had impacted my mental health and making a commitment to now using it as my main tool to climb myself out of this. It wasn't just like an overnight thing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do every day. It was a battle from that point forward to climb out of that darkness, to really work and overcome my daily depression and my daily anxiety. And of course the binge eating, I think a big perspective shift for me. And, you know, I am fully, I fully believe that you cannot think yourself out of depression or anything like that. But it was a mind shift where I stopped seeing exercise and how I was eating and fueling my body as this thing that was for my aesthetic at all. It, everything previously had been, okay, so you're going to eat better so you can lose the weight that you gained over the last year from binge eating. And you're going to exercise because you need to get back to the body that you had before where you look the part of a personal trainer and you look fit. And that was where my mindset was around exercise and, and eating. And every time I would do it for a few days. And then of course I would fall off the wagon because those things I realized afterwards were very surface level things on my list of why I'm doing this work. And after I made the mental health connection, it became way stronger for me to pull myself out of bed, even if I felt the shittiest and the lowest that I felt that morning, 
because I knew that even if I just took a walk or whatever my movement looked like, whatever my movement practice looked like, no matter if it was five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever, that it would change how I felt, even if it was just a little bit. And that little bit meant the world because if I felt a little bit better that day, then that meant I could do a couple more things that day to continue to function at my job, to be there for my family, to take care of myself in other ways that I needed to show up for myself that day. And it was this powerful thing that just created this why for me that allowed me to do things that I wouldn't normally have done if I had kept my reasoning just at that aesthetic surface level. And I really uh, talk to, I love talking to people and really hearing their reasons why they want to start a movement practice or they want to change how their relationship is with food because everybody has that deeper why. Everybody has that thing that kind of like knocks the wind out of them or pulls at their heartstrings that maybe even brings them to an emotional place because it is what they truly desire. And you've heard, you know, I'm sure you've had the same um, experience where it's, it's more like, I want to be able to join my family on the weekends at the dinner table and really be present and enjoying the conversation and, and, and remember it and not be thinking about, you know, food all the time or not be thinking about how anxious I am to just go home and, and lay back in bed and all of that, all of those things of really showing up and being present and stopping missing moments of your life, I think is what connects us all in our whys, even if they look a little bit different from one to the other. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is so cool to kind of get to people's why, because like you said, like on that superficial level, sure, everybody wants to be fit and like look good in their clothes and feel comfortable in their clothes. But if, you know, a sense of self-confidence and, you know, a, a sense of feeling like you can walk up a flight of stairs without losing your breath, those are so much deeper than just you know, being the hottest bitch in this place. You know what I mean? Like it, we all want to look good, but it, that's at the root of it. Why is it that you want to look good? You know, is it because you are requiring other people's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, is it because you require other people to like you, to like yourself? Is it because you want to be liked by everybody or a people pleaser? Like there's something deeper than that first superficial level of like, I wanna look good. Like we, we wanna ultimately be accepted. And when we're like faking it, when we're just going to the gym because we wanna either be seen at the gym or we wanna lose the weight because we feel like gross or insecure or whatever, like, those aren't the deeper reasons. You've, you've really got to kind of dig. And I don't think you can get to that without kind of digging into your mental health. So it is such a path that everybody kind of needs to figure out on their own. But when we talk about it and we make a safe space so that we can talk about it, when you open up about your stuff, it makes me want to tell you about my stuff, you know, and it's the same when we're not on the podcast. It's the same in life when you are honest and open about your struggle people will open up 
honest, more honestly about their own. And if they haven't kind of started this struggle in their own journey, maybe it will give them a moment, a moment to reflect and kind of think about what is their why. That why is the only thing that's really gonna, like that discipline of that why of like, I want a healthier life so that I can play with my grandchildren or whatever it is. Like, I want a healthier life so that, you know, I don't feel like I can't get out of bed most days or so that yeah. I, I want to eat all the cookies. Um, you know, really using those tools that we, we all have access to at this point. Like you have to make it a priority though. Absolutely. And yeah, just going back to the shifting your mindset off of how do I want to look or I'm going to eat to change how I look or I'm going to move to change how I look and making it more about I'm going to transform how I feel or shift how I feel. A lot of the, um, the verbiage that I use around making movement a priority is movement is a mood shifter. Movement boosts your mood. Um, it changes your energy. It changes your focus. It allows you to get out of your head and get into your body which is so freaking powerful, especially with the mental health aspect. Cause it's almost like we're spending too much time in our heads, whether we're dwelling in the past or anticipating and feeling anxious about the future, but allowing yourself just to get out of there for a little bit, <laughs> take a little rest, get into your body, get grounded and get focused on, okay, how am I going to, use this energy that I just created by moving my body a little bit and channel it into what is next for me, what is next that's going to serve me or serve the people around me or serve what's important to me is, is the thing. It totally is. And I mean, that's like the, the compounding effect is like when you step up and do something for you, for your health, that's really, you know, deeper than that you know, just doing it for the aesthetics, when you're doing it to transform the way that you feel, people see that and you, you have this ripple effect on the people in your life and like a rising, a rising tide, man, I can't remember like any of my go-to quotes right now. (laughs) What is it? A rising tide raises all boats, right? Like I can't think of it. I don't even know. But something like that, when you rise up, like you rise up the people around you, like we have such an impact on those around us and it's really empowering. That's that, that same affirmation. I shine my light to remind others that they can too. And it's, however you need to show up or you desire to show up when you are showing up authentically in that light other people are like, I want to stand in my light. I want to tell my truth. I want to, I want to feel good. I want to transform the way that I feel like it's, it's very impactful. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, so I, I want to give listeners kind of an idea of what, um, I guess like what your day looks like, what, um, what you use your Instagram platform for, um, because you have a pretty big following. And I think I, I am so a proponent of inundating yourself with positivity, not in a way of like ignore when real life is happening, but it, in a way of following people 
on social media and you know watching channels and listening to talks and things like that of people that you feel encouraged by and people that you know make you want to show up better or more authentically um so i'd love to kind of hear about like some of the things that you talk about on your instagram um or i guess what you use your platform for great instagram has become a place for me to be real with people, I found that sharing value about what I've gone through, what I've struggled with in the past, and what I am currently struggling with has been much more of a valuable platform for people to get something from, to feel not alone, to also join a community that has like-minded women in the sense that we recognize that it's freaking okay to struggle and also want to see the joy in the day that we can hold both, um, but also to hold each other up when we are going through a tough time and also to cheer each other on when we're freaking winning at all the things. Um, I call my, the people who either hang out with me on Instagram or Facebook or do any of my programs, my warrior team, I call them warriors because when you are struggling with your mental health on a daily basis, you feel literally like you're battling for yourself, for that vision of yourself who is thriving, who is alive and vibrant, and you are showing up as a warrior, um, even if you don't feel like it, even if it is challenging you, even if it is so uncomfortable you have committed to being that for yourself because nobody else is going to do it. And I just feel like calling yourself a warrior just makes you sound strong and powerful. And like you have that light within you, no matter what, even on your darkest day. I love to talk about everything, depression, anxiety, and specifically binge eating. I've been talking about a lot lately. I think during pandemic and quarantine, a lot of people who were struggling with that, that really exacerbated, as well as people who didn't even have that habit. Stress has driven them to have more binge eating urges. Um, there's been a lot more time to just sit with ourselves and whereas before we may have gone to distractions um, to not have to deal with the hard stuff or the emotional stuff or the stuff that feels uncomfortable to, to face or talk about, now we had more time for that to confront us. And so binge eating or just using food as a coping mechanism to distract may have um, shown up for people where they weren't used to that before. So I started talking about that a lot more and just creating a space for people to understand that it's okay, understand why they're maybe doing it and get a little bit more insight to how to see into um, how to stop using this as a coping mechanism, especially if it's not serving them, especially if it's making them feel worse um, in the long run at the end of the day. I'm very interested in that um, that last bit where, uh, because I've recently heard something that I had never heard before, um, and it kind of in, I guess, correlates with what you're saying. 
um, but how to stop using binge eating if it's not serving you. Um, so I recently, I, I do follow a lot of um, intuitive eating uh, accounts. I also follow a lot of like body positivity accounts and things like that. And I guess ultimately my stance is that like, if you feel healthy, then keep doing what you're doing or whatever, like the practices that you're doing are effective enough for you because each of us are so individual. Um, but I've been recently seeing on Instagram um, that emotional eating is a healthy co coping mechanism. And I'd never seen that before, but there's so many things that I've learned in the last three years that I'd never seen before. And it kind of reminds me of a little bit of what you're saying here is like, if, the binge eating, you know, is a random occurrence as a result of stress because that's how you're deciding to deal with it on that day. That's okay. But if the binge eating is every day and that's the only way that you're dealing with stress, then that's like not really okay. Then that's not a super healthy way to cope with the stress and, you know, the changes and everything. Um, but yeah, just very interesting. Just, I wanted to kind of throw that in there because I haven't talked with anyone about it yet. And it's something that's kind of been like on my brain. Absolutely. Um, it is really interesting to discuss. And there are so many different coping mechanisms and essentially all of our coping mechanisms, no matter what it is, whether it's scrolling on my phone or um, shopping or uh sex or drinking at some point it is a survival mechanism it's something that helps us numb out to escape from whatever it is because facing that feels more dangerous um, a threat to our survival than this mechanism that we have to protect ourselves so at some point you may feel that the behavior is out of control, is leaving you feeling worse than um, continuing the behavior, is intrusive in your life, is actually, like just for my, for my own life examples, um, the habit of binge eating, which would come about a lot from stress, a lot from emotion for me, as well as just like wanting to procrastinate from res responsibilities that I had to do, it was very interwoven into my depression. So if my mood was lower or if I was experiencing anxiety, going and eating was kind of my way to just disconnect from that emotion, disconnect from myself, disconnect from the situation that felt uncomfortable, whatever. And I had to realize, I did realize, wow, I am literally staying home every weekend to eat because I am afraid of this thing or didn't want to confront this thing or wanted to hide away from that thing. And I'm literally in my 20s and I'm losing moments of my life. I would cancel plans because I was too anxious to deal or go and stay home and binge eat instead. And I realized this is literally stealing away moments of my life. Like this behavior has now become more destructive than it is helping me through a few stress moments. So when I made that connection and I removed myself from the um, just like judgment I was putting on myself for from like eating this food that was crap and not healthy for me, um, 
just from a physical standpoint, but I realize more, it's more about the behavior and how I'm using this food. That is how I want to address changing it, how I want to address this, um, this habit that is now deeply ingrained in my life, in my day. Um, that helped me start to do the work to kind of like remove it um, as a thing that I was relying on. And that is, it took me a while to even recognize that it wasn't about the food. Um, when it comes to stress and just, you know, we're living in a world that feels a lot is unknown and the over-anticipation of unknown can be a very, uh, cause a very intense stress response, which is a physiological response hormonally in the body. It does start a cascade of reactions where the brain is now acting from a place of survival mode or sometimes even starvation mode because a, cal a caloric restriction can be strong enough to even ignite this starvation mode, um, which is like when the brain, the part of the brain that turns on your fight or flight mechanism activates which is a different part of the brain from the, the, the personality you, the one that makes your goals and your dreams and your visions and um, wants the best choices. They're different parts of the brain. So it's really interesting when the fight or flight part, which is also called like the lizard part of your brain or the very primal part of your brain, that's literally just, it's one goal is to keep you alive, right. <laughs> is running the show then you're going to make all these choices that feel very um, survival-like, very chaotic, very, if I don't do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explode, like something bad's going to happen. And those sorts of feelings or symptoms around how you use food, just because we're talking about food for, for this instance, can start to give you some insight into the fact that you are um, acting from that place at all and bringing awareness to why you're doing what you're doing and how it's impacting you and do I want to change it? And you can start to make very non-judgmental, um, getting curious about yourself decisions from there. And that's kind of a little summary of how I may start to coach someone in to overcoming this habit if that's something that they desire. How awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the lizard brain and, you know, kind of realizing our, you know, that fight, fight and flight stuff and how our brain is just trying to, and our body really is just trying to help us survive. And, you know, there were times throughout human history where, if we were feeling in a caloric deficit, sugary foods, foods that are high in sugars are, you know, super great for us, giving us energy so that we can go and hunt other food that we need to survive. Mm -hmm. um, and so like really getting down to the basics and kind of looking at it in that way, um, like a little bit scientifically, but like what you said, like just getting curious. Um, I mean, that gets back down to the root of like, forgiving yourself and like mm -hmm. those kind of like a like initial steps that need to come from this 
um, and kind of however you get to that point in the journey, whether you're so sick of feeling a certain way um, or you just feel so badly about yourself or whatever it is, having that self-awareness, just gaining that little sense of self and that little remembering, that little light of hope, whatever, it, however you get there, um, you know, can be so, so beneficial to you. Um, it's, it really is, it really is a journey. Um, so thank you so much for sharing yours with us. Um, I would love to uh, let listeners know where they can find you on Instagram. Um, and if you have any kind of like final words um, of wisdom or anything, advice for us, I'd love that as well. Sure. You guys can find me on Instagram at christine.cohen. And right now I am sharing a free workbook to download all about overcoming nighttime overeating. So if anyone wants to learn more about that or start to take baby steps to work on breaking through that, that's a great resource that I have um, for your audience to download for free. And I think the thing that has been coming up lately for me is asking myself, how am I nourishing myself today? Or how can I nourish myself today? And just sitting with what comes up in that space. And for me, nourishment could mean anything. It could be nourishing myself with fuel, with food. It could be nourishing myself through my ears, with what I'm listening to, um, what I'm taking in through my eyes, also who I'm surrounding myself with. Um, it could also be how I'm moving my body, how I am getting into my body that day and getting out of my head. And that's a question that I have been asking myself throughout the last few months is how can I nourish myself today? So if I can offer you that, if that sounds like something you'd like to try on, then um, it's yours. I love that. Um, those are, th that's a great final, like kind of words of wisdom. Um, and I have really learned in the last couple of years that when you don't give yourself the space to answer a question, if I don't give myself 10 minutes to journal, then it's always all day going to feel like I don't have time to journal. But if I ask myself that question and really make it intentional that every day I'm going to ask myself this question and see what comes up, if you ask yourself, how am I nourishing myself today? You would be just absolutely astonished with what comes up and you'll really be more intentional with deciding to nourish yourself that day. So that's really awesome. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you, Liz. Thanks so much for having me. It was really great talking with you. Yeah, this was a pleasure. All right, um, everybody, you can find Christine's information on the show notes. Uh, and thank you again so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.